Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, December 5th. There's controversy over Chula Vista's new privacy policy. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego Unified School District received a cybersecurity threat last week. The potential data breach could impact personnel files, grades, and confidential health information. In a written statement to parents and staff Friday, Superintendent Lamont Jackson said, The district acted swiftly to take steps to secure the network, to launch an investigation, and to prevent any disruptions to operations. All staff passwords were immediately changed and passwords for all students will also be changed in the coming days. Authorities are investigating who is responsible. The San Diego Police Department on Friday began citing street vendors who violate the city's new sidewalk vending ordinance. The law prohibits street vendors of any kind from selling in the Gaslam District. Vendors who continue to sell in no vending zones are now going to be cited. The fines can range from $200 to $1,000 and other possible penalties. Although street vendors are not permitted in the Gaslam District, vendors can obtain a sidewalk permit and conduct business in other designated areas. Flu and COVID-19 cases are both up across San Diego County, and that's before considering any potential Thanksgiving surge cases. New case numbers will be released on Thursday when the county's respiratory virus surveillance report is updated. Nearly 10,000 COVID cases were reported in the county last month. And since July, there have been nearly 13,000 flu cases reported. This time last year, only 424 flu cases were reported. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcasts and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. Chula Vista officials claim a new policy bans the sale of data picked up by police surveillance tools. But privacy advocates warn most personal information could still lawfully be sold. KPBS investigative reporter Amita Sharma explains. For years, Chula Vista resident and activist Pedro Rios has advocated for stronger privacy protections in the city. Here he is last year speaking just steps away from City Hall. We should have an expectation of privacy. We should not give up on the expectation of privacy. Otherwise, we are undoing a fundamental principle that the U.S. Constitution affords us. 
His words resonated in this border city called one of the most surveilled in the country. Rios and others were angry over revelations that Chula Vista police had shared data collected from its license plate readers with federal immigration officials. We should be in front of their door, in front of city council, calling out for the need to have these oversight mechanisms and to hold accountable not only the Chula Vista Police Department, but also city officials. In April, Rios joined a working group of residents, privacy advocates, and tech experts. Their mission? Help Chula Vista create new surveillance guidelines. The goal was to balance police use of surveillance tools like license plate readers and drones with protecting residents' privacy rights. The group had high hopes. But last month, when the Chula Vista City Council ultimately passed a privacy protection policy, Rios was disappointed. For me, it's unclear exactly what the policy does. The policy suggests that Chula Vista's personal information can't be sold. But is that really true? In a word, no. Albert Fox Kahn is executive director of the nonprofit New York-based Surveillance Technology Oversight Project. This policy has a lot of details, but it also has a lot of loopholes. And from my reading, those exceptions swallow the rule. Khan says exceptions in the policy include any information recorded in a place where people do not have a reasonable expectation of privacy. That means any details captured in public places would not be covered, no matter how sensitive. Whether it's your geolocation data, your biometric data, your phone number, your email address, much of the information that's covered by this policy is then simply exempted under that exception because a lot of the surveillance that is shared with vendors is recorded in public. Even worse, Khan says the policy exempts information gathered from surveillance that's part of an active criminal investigation. He says this is the policy's weakest link. When you drive your car through the city, the automated license plate reader could track it. When you're sitting in your backyard, a drone could surveil you. When you're almost anywhere in public, you could be captured by the real-time command center. All of these systems are monitoring people outside the home. Part of what spawned the push for a privacy policy was a contract Chula Vista signed with Motorola Solutions in 2020. That deal gave Motorola wide access to police surveillance data and allowed the tech conglomerate to profit from it. California privacy advocate Brian Hofer says the city's new policy does little to stop Chula Vista from entering into a similar contract again. It does not expressly prohibit the selling. Hofer says it's also important to note that the Chula Vista City Council opted for a policy on privacy rights instead of a law. The resident working group specifically asked for a law. The leadership of Chula Vista never had any desire to really take this seriously. If they really wanted to be accountable to the public and say, we think these things are truly important, then they would give it the weight of law and they would hold themselves accountable by making these things enforceable. City council members did not make themselves available to KPBS for an interview before this story was broadcast. But some said at a meeting last month that a new law would be premature. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News.
Last week, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria signed an executive order responding to the fentanyl crisis in San Diego. It directs the San Diego Police Department to focus more of its efforts on disrupting sales of the drug. In 2021, more than 800 San Diegans died of fentanyl-related overdoses, and many of them were homeless. Sam Quinones is a journalist and author of the book, The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. He joined KPBS's Jade Heidman to talk about how we got to this point. So how has fentanyl become such a major problem? How did we get here? Well, I think it makes sense to the drug trafficking world in Mexico. It is a perfect replacement for heroin. You don't need to grow poppies. You can make fentanyl in a laboratory uh, without rainfall or sunlight or farmers harvesting it. All you really need now with fentanyl is access to shipping ports. And the Mexican trafficking world, particularly on the western side of, of Mexico, has access to two major shipping ports on that on the Pacific coast, through which they control a lot of the flow and they can get all the ingredients they need, uh, not just for fentanyl, but also for for methamphetamine. Of course, Mexico City's airport is also a major source of this as well. And they control the ability to get the ingredients to fentanyl, to be able to make as much fentanyl as they they want. And and so what you're seeing now is that this drug, along with methamphetamine as well, has really covered the country. They're making so much that they can really cover the country, the United States, with fentanyl and and it's finding its way into all kinds of things because it's so cheap, so potent. So you're seeing that it's just a stunning ability of production, supply production because these drugs are now synthetic and they don't obey seasons like like plant-based drugs. And that's that's really why San Diego's seeing this, but also virtually the entire country is seeing the same problem. And so in response to all of that, we have an executive order from Mayor Todd Gloria, which would increase enforcement measures against the drug. How well has this strategy worked in other cities? Well, I mean, I think people are just trying to figure out what to do, right? I don't think their strategies have not been employed regarding fentanyl in too many too many places. We've been consumed with COVID for the last two years. And, and, and I would say that making it clear that sales of fentanyl are a bridge too far, so to speak, is one of the things among many that need to happen. Uh, you cannot have no consequences for selling a drug that's akin really to shooting a, a gun into a crowd. I mean, you sell fentanyl, you know you're going to hurt somebody and it's likely you'll kill somebody. So yes, uh, enhanced enforcement. I would say this though, and that is that this seems to me to have graduated to a whole new level in, in terms of governmental involvement. And I think really now a major part of this needs to be taken up by the State Department with Mexico. Mexico and the United States need to find the ways that we should have developed years ago of, of collaborating on these issues over the last many, many, many years. There's no president of, of, of either country uh, that I think has done what needs to be done in terms of collaboration with the other part. Um, I lived in Mexico 10 years and it was never that 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 way when I was there. I, I do think, though, that this has graduated beyond what any city or county can really in the long run do much about it, it needs to get to uh, the, the, the national governments uh, as well. That was author and journalist Sam Quinones speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. Homelessness can happen fast, and for many, the pathway out 
can be long and difficult. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayers says a Friday event in Lakeside brought together organizations dedicated to helping people get off of the streets and back into society. The goal of the Homeless Resource Fair in Lakeside was to provide unhoused people with access to food, clothing, and services they need and a chance at stability. Superior Court Judge Roderick Shelton says it's crucial people experiencing homelessness get more than just a shower and a warm meal. They also need legal help. So what we're doing here is that if the person may have a warrant for some small like infraction, small misdemeanor case, we can take care of all that here today. The event offered this help through the Homeless Court program with attorneys present on site. Friday's event was the sixth Homeless Resource Fair held in San Diego County since November 2021. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Southwestern College and SDSU have just received grants to support more Hispanic students in healthcare careers. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has details. More than 70% of students attending Southwestern College are Hispanic. Those who want to go into nursing or any other medical career will benefit most from the quarter of a million dollars in grant money that will now support their continued education. The funding comes from Bank of America, which has also awarded San Diego State with the same grant. Both schools will use the money in developing curriculum, providing staff and job placements for their students in the healthcare industry, which was severely strained during COVID. Dr. Mark Sanchez is president of Southwestern College. If this were to ever occur again, we have the people that can respond to the needs of the community. And I think the, the pandemic just exposed just how important this work is. The grant money is already funding programs that will support students graduating next spring. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. They don't hold a job, they don't pay rent, and they poop all over the place. Sea lions have made the Oceanside Harbor their home, and boat owners there don't like it. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the story. Boat owners in the Oceanside Harbor have some new dockmates, sea lions, and they're causing damage. Devin Halford cleans boats at the harbor. They've sunk boats. Um, their oily skin, uh, their excrement gets on the side of boats, dries like concrete, and they've just been an absolute nuisance. Harbor staff say they routinely shoo sea lions away by pounding the dock with a broom handle. The sound and vibration tends to move them along. Staff recommend boat owners politely move the sea lions off the docks. Michael Milstein is with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. They are the agency in charge of the protection of marine mammals and protected species. Anything that could lead, essentially, that could lead to their death is, is off limits. Milstein recommends the public keep a safe distance, do not feed the sea lions, and dispose of bait as far away from harbors as possible. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, was the City of San Diego's Street Sweeper naming contest legit? We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. We've been updating you on the City of San Diego's naming contest for its newest electric street sweeper. The contest was a trend San Diego hopped on among cities to hold naming contests. But was the city's contest legit? KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser says, not really. This week, San Diego officials announced that residents had spoken. The winning name for the new street sweeper was Sweep E, but it wasn't a true popularity contest. The city received more than 300 name submissions. They ranged from Bristleface McGee, Defender of the Waterways, to Merrill Sweep. But no one tabulated the results to see what names were suggested most. So says city spokesperson Anthony Santa Croce. The number of times that we saw any particular suggestion didn't really factor into our decision making. We also had to exclude any offensive or inappropriate suggestions, obviously. The city also excluded Sweepy McSweepface. That's a variation of the legendary Bodie McBoatface, the name UK residents chose for a government research boat. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. To see a full list of the names submitted, head to kpbs.org. Prepare for some season's beatings as Santa takes on a group of mercenaries in the new film, Violet Night. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando spoke with actor David Harbour about delivering a different kind of holiday cheer. As Violent Night opens, Santa's feeling depressed that the holiday he created to encourage generosity has gone commercial and centers on greed. You ain't driving, are you? I steer a little, but the reindeer do most of the work. And things go from bad to worse as he arrives at a house where mercenaries are holding a family captive. I'm in a big room with all my relatives. There's two bad men with guns watching us. Let me get you out of there. So Santa has to step up his game and deliver more than gifts. David Harbour plays the put-upon Santa. What I found was really unique about it was you go on this wild action ride, action comedy ride, and then at the end, you come out with that Christmas movie thing of like believing in the spirit of Christmas. Harbour brings a lot of heart, but also a lot of carnage as he decks the halls with the blood of the naughty crooks in this R-rated holiday comedy. Think Die Hard, but with Santa as the reluctant hero taking care of business. And ho, 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 replacing yippee ki So basically, the perfect Christmas movie for action fans. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. 
As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.